grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for all of you and that you're a part of it. A lot of you are very new. You look back at five years and you think, I don't know anything about that. And uh, uh, we appreciate you being here and being a part because I hope you'll be a part of the next five years. I hope you'll be a part of building incredible faith memories from the next five years and what God wants to do. Uh, more than that, I, I pray that today would be a day where we're just inspired in our faith because it's so, it's so easy to let fear drive us. You guys ever had any fears in your life or worries or anxieties? Anybody? Go ahead and raise your hand if you don't have your hand raised. I want to find out what you drink. What is that Kool-Aid? Because I need some of that. Because it's so easy, even as a pastor, I'm going to be honest with you, it's so easy to go from, oh, man, I'm, I, I don't fear. You know, uh, uh, I have incredible faith. And I can have moments, man, where, uh, you know, something happens. And it's easy to get caught up and miss the perspective of who God is. You know, there's that old movie that's kind of a pulp, pop culture hit, you know, The Fly. And there's that line in that movie where he says, be very afraid. Be very afraid, you know. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Why? Well, it's just the, the, what was around. But, but the, the problem is we are supposed to fear the, the right things. And, and a lot of times in society, I think... We end up fearing the wrong things. You know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I'll just give you a few facts. Um, if you're afraid to fly, uh, and, and that, that's quite a few people can be afraid to fly, there is a point zero 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 one percent chance of dying in an airplane crash. Isn't that good news? Like, I bring you good news today. So, so that's it. Point zero 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 one. Now, on the other hand, the car insurance companies say that, in fact, if you're driving your car, the odds of dying in a car crash are one to two percent. So bad news. I know you're all stressed driving home now today. That's good. Are you afraid of heights? It's the second most reported fear. Your chance of being injured by falling, jumping, or being pushed from a high place, which that would not be good, is one in sixty five thousand and ninety two. That's your, that's your chance. The chance of having your identity stolen is one in 200. What? Some of you are going on LifeLock right now. I know that. Yeah. It's, it's, the odds of, of being killed by a bolt of lightning are one in 2.3 million. One in 2.3 million. How about those people that got hit by twice? That's like they should play the lotto, I'm thinking. But these lifetime odds, check it out, for a meteorite, if you're much likely to be struck by a meteorite, those lifetime odds are 1 in 700,000. So next time you're out and you see a meteorite shower, you better look out. That's a better chance. But dogs, I don't know if you know, uh, dogs will, some people are afraid of a dog bite, 1 in 137,000 chance. On the other hand, your chance of being injured mowing the lawn is 1 in 3,623, and that's why all the guys are saying, I need to hire a lawn service. (laughs) But the idea is this. We get caught up maybe in the wrong things, and it's so easy, and I'm not, I don't bring all that up because maybe your fear, your anxiety, your stress, whatever it may be in your life is real. And it's not just a number. It's not just a, hey, this is how much I'm dealing with. But it is about what, in fact, in that moment that is a burden on my heart that God cares about deeply. It's a, it it becomes a burden. It becomes a weight. It becomes something that, that, that you want to unload. And that's why I believe 
the God led Paul to write in Philippians chapter 4, the famous verse that you guys all know, that I know, that we've shared here before. But I feel like it is so important for you to underline this, memorize it, because it is one of these foundational verses in the midst of whatever anxiety or stress or worry or fear that you have. He says, be anxious for nothing. So in other words, God knew we would be anxious. So he has Paul write, hey, don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about it. But here's what you got to do. Just pray with supplication, with thanksgiving. Give God thanks. And then let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you, you look and you go, wow, that is such a powerful verse, right? But how hard is that to apply to our lives in the midst of whatever struggle or stress, right? Like, I love quoting it to other people, but when, when they quote it to me, if I'm stressing, it's a little, oh, yeah, yes, I know, I got to pray. I pray with thanksgiving. Yes, I did it. Okay. Why is it so important? Because it's like a prescription for the pain. Because the pain is this fear or this worry or this anxiety. And I believe that God wants us to not live in that, but he wants us to actually uh, not fall into fear, but have this step in our life where faith, we let our faith conquer our fears because it is so hard to not walk in faith, but it is so easy to let fear consume us. Anxiety, worry, whatever it may be in your life. But how do we let faith conquer fear. And when I say let, I mean, you have to allow faith to conquer your fear. You can't, you and I, we can't walk in fear. We can't allow fear to drown us out. We were singing that song about Jesus and, and that the, the world trembles at his, and that he actually, you know, is the peacemaker for any type of fear in our life. And so we come together in this place, in this moment, and we say, Lord, please help us to walk in faith when we're dealing with fear and how long it is or how worrisome it can be for that problem, for that difficulty in your life, in my life. And all I want to do today, and this is in our time together, is we're going to look at the Israelites and it's and it's a story as they come out of Egypt and they get into this promised land and how fear really captured them. And they missed out on a great opportunity, but how there were two men, Joshua and Caleb, who, who basically stood up and they, they said, no, 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 we're, we're not that, man. We're, we're, we're doing something different. This is, this is who God is. And they walked in faith. And I know it's so easy to look at the Israelites and say, man, how can you blow it? But can I just, I can, I can just encourage you that we all do it, that we all forget for a moment what God has done in our life. We all forget what he can do, what he's capable of doing. And that is why that fear, that anxiety, that whatever it may be, builds up in your heart because I'm not trusting in this God who is the one who can do anything, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. You guys ready for that? So we're going to find out a little bit from this story. So I got a bunch of points today. I'm not going to sit on those points much, but the points are not for us to, well, here's, here's just, this is what I got, but it's for us to apply to our lives. So let's pray together. Ask God to bless our time. God, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for this church. I thank you for uh, just the people that are walking in faith at this church. I pay, thank you for Rihanna and Elena walking out in faith and, and going out in the mission field, Lord. I pray that, Lord, all of us here would walk in faith. Lord, that when 
whatever anxiety, whatever, even if they're sitting right now with anxiety in their heart, where fear, where uh, stress, or whatever it may be, God, I pray right now you would bring peace. Lord, your word says that it's the peace that you give that transcends all understanding is going to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You tell us not to worry. You tell us to ask you for help. So right now, on behalf of everybody here, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help them right now with that they would be able to cast whatever fear, whatever anxiety upon you. And Lord, that they would ask you, even in their heart right now, Lord, help me with this. Lord, take this. And I want to trust you with this problem right now. We thank you, God. We thank you that you're with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to this world um, to not only free us from sin, but to set us free from this bondage. And uh, I just pray that we would be faith walkers, Lord, that we would let faith truly live out in our life. God, lead by your spirit. Bless this time, I pray, and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. We're going to, as I said, we're going to take a look at the Israel. Let me give you a little backstory. They They've come out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. You know, you've probably seen the, the movies and the 10 plagues, and they get out, and they finally leave, and they have been on a two-year journey through a wilderness. And during that time, God has done miraculous things. He took them through the Red Sea. He has given them manna from heaven, which were these little wafers, which meant, what is it? Because nobody knew what it was, but they, they would make every dish possible, I'm sure, with manna, you know, manna pancakes, banana bread, you know, whatever. And so you had everything that was possible with that. And then they had quail, and then there was water. And so God would provide, but at the same time, there was a discouragement. There was a, there was a sense of wanting to go back and and they would forget and then God would provide and then they would go back and then God would provide. And so here we are at this place that God has promised them, I am going to take you to this land and it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. And I know that's such a weird expression for us. Like, what does that mean? Flowing with milk and honey? Is that like honey nuts cereal and we're going to have a bowl of milk? What is? No, no, no. It is nothing to do with honey, nothing to do with milk. It has everything to do with it was a picture of what that land was going to be like. It was going to be fertile land. It was going to be incredible, rich soil. It was going to be a land that would flow with vegetation that you would be able to do and get whatever you want. And so God gave them that promise. That the, the, the milk would suggest that the livestock could pasture there. The honey would suggest that the vast farmland was available and the bees had plenty of place to draw nectar from. So it was this picture of, man, it's flowing. It's going to be a place that you are going to be amazed by. And after being in slavery and walking through the wilderness, now they're at that place where they come to the spot where God has called them to go in Kadesh Barnea. And we're going to pick it up in verse 28 in chapter 13 of the book of Numbers. So chapter 13 in Numbers, and we pick it up in 28 and check out, uh, excuse me, verse 18, my bad. Sorry about that, Sandra in the back. And, and see what the land is like. So they're going to send spies into land, not because God said send spies. It was actually the people said, hey, I think we should get spies to go in the land. We want to figure out what's, what's fortified, who's around. Uh, we want to do a little strategic backstory. So check out what happens. 
We want to see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in this are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether they're forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. And they went through the south and came to Hebron and, and uh, uh, Ahiam and Shishai and Talmai. And the, and the descendants of Anak were there. And now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And then they came to the valley of Eshkel. And there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. Think about that. So it was one cluster of grapes. Imagine you're in the wilderness. You're eating manna and quail. There's not grapes around. And they get in, and it's not just grapes. It is massive grapes. It is on a cluster that two men carry on a pole between them. Can you imagine what incredible joy that must have been in their heart to say, look at these grapes. Oh, man, can you imagine what the people are going to say when we bring these back? And so they say they also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. And the place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And then they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And you can imagine the people are waiting for 40 days. They're waiting for these spies to come back. And they're excited because God's promised them this land flowing with milk and honey. And so here's the opportunity we're going to see. And they must see him coming away. And maybe the, the kids or the parents are looking. They go, do you see those grapes? Do you see those grapes hanging between those two guys that are carrying? I mean, this is amazing. I mean, can you imagine the excitement in their bones that, wow, we are going to eat something awesome. This is a land that is going to be great. I imagine they were so excited. And sure enough, when they came together and they came back and they begin to give their report, uh, check it out in verse 27. They told him, we went to the land where, where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And I imagine the people are like, yes, it's like a big cheer. Like, yes, it's flowing with milk and honey. This is going to be awesome. It's so exciting. I mean, come on. We're out of this wilderness. We're going into the land of grapes and pomegranates and figs. It's going to be great. Nevertheless, it's like all of a sudden from the back. Nevertheless, nevertheless, what? The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Well, let's go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we had, whom we saw in it are men of 
of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if we only had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Are you kidding me? And here's where it's so easy to judge them, right? Because we can easily look and go, are you nuts? Because we're sitting in the driver's seat, man. We, we can, we're, we're Monday morning quarterbacking this. We're looking at it going, oh, man, how can you not see what God wants to do? Because fear has gripped them. Fear has gripped them. And fear blinds us to God's perspective and power. And what happened? They saw the grapes. They saw the promise. They saw all these things. But, man, it's like their fear blinded them to God's perspective and power. It's so easy to have that happen in your life. I've had it happen in my life many times where fear or anxiety or worry just blinds you to what God has done or what he is capable of doing. You see, at this moment, they weren't thinking that. The, imagine what it was like for them to cross the Red Sea when God parted the Red Sea and they're walking across on dry ground and they look to the left or the right and they just see a wall of water and fish and they're walking through it. Do you imagine at this moment, they're not thinking, how did God do that? They're just thinking, hey, you know what? This isn't going to work out. God just has let us down. Because I, 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 saw, I maybe saw him do something there, but I'm not seeing what he can do now in my life. Now, that can happen to us. Because we let fear blind us to what God's perspective is. You know what fear also does? Fear, fear not only blinds us, but fear binds us to our past. Did you notice that all they wanted to do was go back to Egypt? It's like, let me go back to Egypt. Let, are you kidding me? We, we could have had so much better, even though they were in slavery in Egypt, even though it was a, a part of, you know, the, the worst days of their life. They had to make bricks with straw, without straw, whatever it may be. But for them, it was better to go back. They didn't want to trust whatever God had for them. It was too hard because it was comfortable. And change is hard, right? It's so, it's so hard to go through change. And here, it's like, oh, man, it was so easy back there. I mean, we knew our routine. We weren't going to die with those people. At least we were enslaved. But, you know, to be killed out here by these people and my wives and my children, they're already playing their future out, and nothing has happened. Their fear has caused them, and their worry has caused them to be binded to their past. And so many, for us, that can happen in your life. You look back and you go, it was so much better back here. It was so much better for me when I was back in these days, where I was, what the problem was. But you're forgetting all of the bad times. You forget maybe what God brought you out of. You forget those times because maybe at this point you're afraid to just change. You're afraid to say, hey, I want to change, Lord. I, 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 but I, I'm afraid to take that step because change can be hard. Let's be honest. But here's what else fear does. Not just binds you to your past, but it blocks us from God's promises. You see, these guys, they, they basically were blocked from everything that God was doing, the promise that God had for 
hit them in their life, that this land flowing with milk and honey. So it, it blinded them, it binded them, and then it blocked them from what God would have for them. Now, put that in your own situation, in your life, in my life, and it's so easy to see how fear can do that for us. That it can cause me to miss out on what God's perspective is and power. You know, it, it, we, we think that it could be better back then. It could be easier back then. And we miss, and, and when worry or, or fear or anxiety builds up, it's like we forget what God has done, you know? I've been through so many different medical things in my life. Like, I, I should never, I've seen God deliver me in so many different ways, to be perfectly honest with you, that I should never doubt what God wants to do in my life physically. Like, the fact that I'm still alive and able to talk is amazing, to be honest with you. I, I look at my life, and all I have to do is say, wait a second, how did this happen? What happened here? I almost died here. What was going on? And, and all these things. And yet, can I just tell you, I can have like a little bump on my skin and then I'm thinking, oh, it's no big deal, a little bit of a thing. And then Gabby looks at it and she says, oh, you got to get that checked. And then I have a friend that says, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I just had this surgery and he's got this like six inch surgeon thing that, yeah, it was just like a bump like that one on your hand. And then it's like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? And I start I start tail spinning into, OK, what is going to happen to this bump where it is? And then you you start researching. If you go on WebMD, you can just forget about it. Then you're then you're done. And it's like, oh man, I've already got these veins of cancer throughout all my body. And I'm starting to say to Gabby, listen, if I die tomorrow, I want you to know my passwords, okay? Because I don't think I've shared all my passwords with you yet. Here they are. Here's what you got to do. But you you start to right. You let it all boy because we do what the Israelites did. Yeah, the, my family's going to die. They're going to get killed. They're already playing out the future. They're forgetting what God has done and what maybe his purpose for your life is right now. So gang, fear is going to kill you. It's going to kill me. It's going to rob us. It's not going to allow us to be who we want to be in faith. And of course, enter Caleb, this cat that you guys saw in chapter uh, 14. And, and check it out. Uh, you saw him speak up, but then listen to what he says in, in verse, uh, we'll pick it up in verse four. They want to get another leader and return to Egypt. And then verse five, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. I love that. Why? Because God promised it. It was going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. And you see, when you and I can have faith that to believe in God, I believe that faith will clear up our perspective. Yeah. Faith. Go ahead and throw that slide up there. Faith will clear up our perspective and lead us to believe God's promises. And so faith, it's amazing. Caleb was this guy who, and Joshua, obviously, they're both these men who, they were a part of these 12 spies that go in for 40 days. And, and they're, the, they're the two that say, no, 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 this is cool. It's going to be great. Why? What made them different? What made them to be people that would actually not get really over-consumed by fear. 
Well, they just trusted God. They, they actually had this faith that God was able to do anything. I'm going to believe his promises. And what happens is he leads, faith will lead us to believe those promises. It's like, Lord, I'm going to believe your promises, and I'm going to keep trusting your promises. And this is what faith will do. I have a faith that God's promises are true, and everything in them are yes and amen. And I'm going to believe what he says. I'm not going to doubt him. But not only that, but faith will actually lead us to trust in God's power. You see, he, he's at that place where he's saying, well, who do I trust in? You see, they, their, their promise was this land flowing with milk and honey. That was, that was what the, the Lord did. They, they said it's an exceedingly good land. Verse 8, if the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, for their protection is departed from them. It's, it's like the Lord... It's him. It's his power. Do you understand? The Lord delights in us. He'll bring us. If the Lord delights in us, it's him that does it. We're not trusting in our own self. We're not trusting in our own ways. Faith will lead us to trust God's power. It's going to lead us to say, yes, Lord, you are the one who parted the Red Sea, and yet today you are in my life and in my worries and in my fears or in my difficulties and whatever that may be for you. It could be money issues. It could be health issues. It could be whatever that has burdened you, and it says, well, Lord, I am going to not only trust that, but I'm going to trust this, that when, when, when you, Lord, have a a promise, I'm going to believe it, but I'm going to trust and believe your promise. I'm going to trust your power. And then, of course, the third thing, he, he expected God's presence. I love what Caleb says and Joshua, they say, and the Lord is with us. He's with us. Don't fear him. Don't fear these people. The Lord's with them. He's going to be with you. Now, I know Hebrews 13.5 is a verse that maybe all of you know. It says this, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you had. For he himself, talking about Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So here's what happens in our lives. I, I know it's super, I, I could drum up a whole row, row. We got to be like, we're going to be like Caleb. But here's what happens. You start looking at the perspective of what's going on in your life and you forget how big God is in the midst of that. You forget because fear starts to consume you because it's this many bills I owe or this much health or they just gave me this report and here's what it says. And, 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 and yet, God, I know that you're a healer. I know you're a provider. I know you've done all these things. I've seen you do these things in my life, but yet, Lord, I am not trusting you right now. Why is that? Maybe, maybe, maybe I am at that place where I am I'm just looking at my problems from a, the wrong perspective. So how do, I, how do I fix all that, right? You know, how do I get to that point where God would say to Joshua later on in Joshua 1.9, you know, he would say in Joshua 1.9, hey, uh, this, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, don't be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How do I get to that place where I take that verse and I actually apply it to my life? Because that's the hard part. Like, how do I actually say, all right, well, Lord, I'm going to be strong and of good courage, not be dismayed. I, I, the Lord, you're with me. Well, then I have to believe it. 
Do you understand? I have to believe it. I have to believe that the Lord is with me. I have to believe that I can be strong and of good courage. I have to believe that, you know what? God can be with me wherever I go. And here's what happens. That, that, that Joshua, this Joshua is that Joshua. And he was afraid taking a new group of people into this promised land. He was afraid, and yet God would say to him, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. So he's, it, it, it's flesh. It's our flesh. We can come into that place, but we have to be reminded about who God is and what his power is and what his promises are. And when we walk in that kind of faith, then, uh, Lord, help us to live that way, that, faith, that fear would not consume us, but your, that faith in you would actually, we would let it conquer that fear. But how do we do that? How? All right. Isaiah 26.3, right? Isaiah 26.3 says this. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you who trusts in you. So that word stayed is this Hebrew word kamak, which means to bear up, establish, lay, lean, lie hard, put, rest, self, set self, stand fast. It's this... I am strong in my position. I'm going to lay uh, on this. I'm going to lean hard. I'm going to lie hard. And here's what we got to do. You got to lean hard on God. So what does that mean? That means you let the word of God come into your life each and every day. And I say, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to hide it in my heart. I want to memorize it. I want it to be something that's applicable to my life. I don't want to just have a relationship with God where I'm not leaning on him. I want to lean hard on God. I want to lean to a point where it's like, this is who I am dwelling with. This is what I want to be about. When I am leaning on him, when he will keep me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him because I'm leaning my mind, my thoughts, everything. I'm saying, all right, Lord, well, if I'm going to take any thought captive and put it to your obedience, as Paul said in Corinthians, right? Uh, Lord, I, I got to lean on you. I want to lean on whatever your word says. And so when that problem comes up, you lean on his word. And you say, well, what, what verse would that be that I can say? Well, maybe it's uh, Philippians 4.13. You know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Maybe there's a verse that pops into your head that says, well, this is the verse. And you write it down. And you put it on a, a three by five and you carry it around with you. And you realize I'm leaning on the scripture. I'm leaning on God's word. So you lean hard. But then Check it out. Here's what, here's what you not just lean hard on God, but check out this verse in Numbers. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the numbers which I did in Egypt, this is God saying what's going to happen. They've put me to the test now these ten times and not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land uh, which I swore to their fathers, nor any of those who rejected me see it. So none of the guys who are going to the lands as spies and none of the people that rejected him were going to get into the promised land. But God said, but my servant Caleb, and he later talks about Joshua, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into a land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Why? Well, because he has a different spirit and he's followed me fully. And then in Deuteronomy, they, they talk about it a little more. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him, his children, I'm giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. I love that verse. He wholly followed the Lord. Like, how do you wholly follow the Lord? That means I'm, I'm just following him. I'm not going to let anything else get in my way. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to wholly follow him. 
I'm going to holy, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let this world get in my way. I'm not going to let fear get in my way. I'm going to follow you, God. I'm going to believe your promises, going to believe your truth. I'm going to actually apply it to my life. And so that thought for you and me is that you got to fully follow the Lord, fully. That's the third one, but the last, the one before that, you fully follow the Lord. And so the third thing is then after that, that after you fully follow the Lord, then the last one is that you got to remember that God is still with you in the deepest pain. Because that's, I think that's probably the hardest part when you're going through anxiety or worry or fear that you sort of begin to, if, if, especially if you've gone through any type of major loss, crisis and you're it's those moments when you're alone that are tough and here's what i believe god wants to do he wants you to remember that god's still with you even in the deepest pain because that's painful it could be painful it could be a divorce it could be a financial crisis it's painful it's a loss whatever that may be in your life but i just want you to know today that god loves you and he's here with you and that, that's why he sent his son Jesus to come into this world to die for you and for me so that we could be set free, not only from sin, but from fear. That we would say, Lord, you're the one who actually, when, when the disciples were in the boat, remember that story? And the waves came and the whole boat's rocking and Jesus is asleep, right, on the pillow. And everybody's like, oh, man, he's, he's sleeping. He's just, he's just hanging out. What does he not care about us? Does he not know what's going on? And then Jesus steps out and says, peace, be still. That's all he says. Peace be still. He didn't, it doesn't say he waved his hands. It doesn't say he made a magic formula. He didn't throw pixie dust in the air. He just said, peace be still, because at his word, he had command over everything, including the seas that were raging and the peace even in the hearts of these guys. So at that moment, the, the, the sea went flat and the guys were like, wow. And he's like, wow, man, you guys have little faith, but uh, you know what? They they began to realize that, wow, this, this is not just a man. This is God in the flesh. So here's the question for you and for me. Do I let Jesus speak peace be still into my life when fear comes? Do I have him say, Lord, peace be still? I mean, I mean, do I have this courage of a Caleb where I say, you know what, uh, uh, Lord, you're with us. You're not, you're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. You've given us promises. You've given us truth. I'm going to trust you no matter what. If I believe that Jesus died on the cross and was rose again, then I got to believe that, man, there is something even more powerful that can happen even in my life today. If I believe that, I believe that God can take me out of whatever depression, discouragement, anxiety, problem fear because he has power over the resurrection. He can take that same power, pour it into my life, and it may not work out the way I want. Gang, I'm going to tell you right now, you sign up to be a Christian. It doesn't mean everything goes perfect, but what it does mean is I can trust him 
to carry me through these tough and dark times. That I can say, hey, that fear can be broken. That bondage to looking back and saying, oh, I wish I was back in Egypt can be broken. But I got to wholly follow Jesus. I got to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you with everything on God. I'm not going to do anything else, but I'm going to follow you. I'm not letting this world numb me. I'm not going to let it tempt me. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to give up or give in to this fear that can consume my life. Amen? So you got to trust Jesus with everything you got. And it doesn't mean that life's going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean that you're going to have a great, oh, no, everything's going to be perfect, right? The health is going to be better. And this is going to be happening. No, I can't say that. I don't know. God's sovereign. I'm not. But here's what I know. I know that we all can deal with this anxiety or fear or stress. But God, he's given us this incredible opportunity to know him and the more we know him you guys the more we should trust him and the more we trust him the more we're going to walk and take courageous steps of faith because Caleb didn't just come up with those words he believed what God said When you and I get to a place where I believe when I read a verse and God puts it on my heart, then I am going to believe what God said and I'm going to follow him no matter what. And I'm going to walk and not let this fear conquer me. You'll never regret having faith when it would be normal to be afraid. I guarantee it. You will never regret having faith in your life when the world would say it's very normal to be afraid. Because why? Well, because what I'm doing is I'm taking myself out of normalcy and I'm putting myself back in the spiritual hand of God and saying, Lord, I'm trusting you in this moment because, Lord, just as I trusted you for forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life, I'm going to trust you for this right now. And I'm not going to let this fear or anxiety or worry rob me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you so much that you have something greater for all of us. And Lord, that includes me. And I pray that you would help us all to not let the worries of this world, the stress, the anxiety, the fears that can be placed upon us to rob us, to rob us from walking in faith and walking in your truth and believing in you and trusting you. Lord, We believe that you came into this world, Lord Jesus, to save sinners like us. We believe that you changed us. We believe that in Christ we're new creations. Old things pass away. All things become new. Lord, help us to walk in faith in those moments when we have doubts. Help us not to look back. I pray you would break every bind, bind, uh, binding uh, chain that's on people that wants to attach them to their past, to look back and say, oh, it was so much better back here. It was so much better when I was partying. It was so much better when it was this or that or whatever it may be. God, I pray you would break those chains in the name of Jesus. I pray that every person here would follow you with everything they got, that they would just lay whatever worry it is right now, whatever fear it is, they would lay it in your hands and say, God, I want 
going to follow you. That means I'm going to trust you. That means I'm going to believe you. That means I'm going to put my whole life in your hands. I'm going to surrender to you, Lord Jesus, everything I got, because I know you can bring peace to my heart and my mind. And Lord, we pray that you would change our minds, that you would let our minds be renewed every day, that we would not be conformed to this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that every day we would look into your word, and that your word would fuel us with faith, with strength, with courage to know that you are the same today as you were yesterday and forevermore. And we're going to trust you no matter what. I don't care what bad news comes. I don't care what difficulty comes, Lord God. We know that we can trust you, that your promises are true, that your power is real, that you, God, have something for us, that you are with us and your presence is with us. So God, we invite you to be with us wherever we go. Tomorrow at work, I pray for anybody that's here, that that's their fear, that's their anxiety, that you would help them to walk in faith. I pray for anybody in college or studying, Lord, that you would give them strength and, 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 and power over those things, Lord, to know that, Lord, they don't need to fear that. But, Lord, you can give them the wisdom. You can give them the knowledge. God, I pray for anybody that's unhealthy right now. They've gotten a bad report. They've got a, a friend or a loved one with a bad report, that you would help them to walk in faith, even though, Lord, the doctor's report is bad. God, help us to be encouragers. Help us to be inspirers. Help us to be people that believe what you have to say. That, Lord, we know that it's all in your hands, but we're going to believe that you're going to do something great. God, we're going to trust you no matter what. I pray for every financial issue in this place, Lord God. It's so easy to get caught up in numbers. And when the numbers are so large, how in the world are we going to do this? But, God, you own a cattle on a thousand hills. Lord, for you, raising money is no problem. So, God, we put all of our fear, all of our anxiety. God, forgive us that we don't trust you. Forgive us that we're having that fear in our heart. Help us to have faith in you right now. We pray. We thank you, God. We put all these things in your hands, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.